All right, let's start off with Kia. Kia, what did you bring? I brought a scarf from Ethiopia and a wrap slash sari from Indonesia. Ooh. Oh, I, I, I imagine the Ethiopian one then doing. Okay, I need to know more about that in a moment. Okay. And Viola, welcome. What did you bring? I brought what is called a shekere. And it's a West African, originally West African musical instrument. Ooh. All right. You might have to play it <laughs> or demonstrate how it's used at some point. It's really easy. It's easy. Good. Oh, I'm excited already. Um, actually, I was excited a couple months ago when we were talking about this. But I want to welcome the two of you to Not Quite Strangers podcast. You all know my name is Valerie Hope. For those of you who are tuning in, thank you so much for joining us. What you can expect in this podcast is our job is to inspire curiosity, not only for you, but also with our guests, as well as build connection. There should be a, a bridge of connection throughout our conversation. And the last thing is we might even disrupt the status quo. And I think just the fact that two people meeting on a podcast, having a conversation about something, it's kind of disrupting the status quo already. So check. <laughs> and I'm so thrilled. Uh, I've just really, one of the things that inspired me to invite the two of you was, well, Kia, I've known you for maybe three, four years. Three, yeah, three, four years. Because both of us are mentors at uh, with the Eagle Scholars College Readiness Program here in Dallas, Texas. And we had an opportunity to connect on a couple of, you know, collaborate on a couple of projects and have some great conversations about things that we were each working on. And you have been a fantastic thought partner for me and inspire me and always so validating. And I, know, and I know we talk a little bit about your culture. We haven't talked tons about it, right? Your Ethiopian culture. And I thought, mm, that might be interesting to hear more about what it's like for you as an Ethiopian woman here in the U.S. And I don't know, whatever comes out of it. But then I thought, who else do I know that would be a good match for Kia? And then, like from the heavens, <laughs> fell Viola. <laughs> Viola, you and I met just a few months ago, actually, we both took a course on a, a speech uh, writing course or speakers course. And we had the opportunity, I think a couple times to just go off script and talk just between the two of us. So I'm so grateful. You are such a live wire, huge energy. And then when you shared with me that you're from Liberia, I believe. No, my husband what? is. My husband. But I was born in Nigeria to parents who were Cameroonian. That's it. No, I, I don't remember that. But <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and I just thought, and it was so interesting because I don't think, oh, I think I thought you were from the Caribbean when we yes. first interacted. Yes. So yes. English, and I was just like, are you? Yes. That's how we connected. You sent me a little chat and you were like, I hear a little something. And I was like, yeah, you hear it well. <laughs> you are correct. A different part of the continent, I mean, different <laughs> continent altogether, but yes, you heard something. <laughs> but I thought you guys would be so wonderful to introduce to each other. One, because I think, A, you have wonderful energy, super generous as individuals. And then also this idea of being from the African continent. Mm -hmm. And I haven't really talked to anybody on this podcast yet. Now I'm going to have to think. 
that's from no that's not true I have spoken to a couple of people from South Africa okay. but I thought oh it'd be nice to have other countries represented and mm-hmm. have a, a, a sense of what your culture your your African culture has how that's impacted your life here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and whatever else we happen to talk about all right but before we get into that um anything you want to share about when you and I were strangers either of you um when you and I were strangers, well, so in the, at the, at the course we were part of, it wasn't, you know, there were a few black people in the course. Uh, and so automatically there was a check in my mind to reach out to the sisters. And it just so <laughs> happened that Valerie reached out to me first. Uh, one of those, one of those, um, one of those sessions where I got to say something, but I had checked her out already. And I was like, Ooh, she is fascinating. She's a brain I want to pick. And so uh, when we were strangers, um, I had, I had said to myself, that's somebody I want to get to know. And then Valerie reached out to me not too long after. And then we got on a call to talk to each other and get to know each other better. But um, so when we were strangers, I was checking you out and I was like, yeah, I want to talk. I want to connect with this woman. She seems like a woman to know. So cool. Thank you for that. I'm going to say the same thing. So I think similar to how I meet most strangers, I kind of go off of the energy and the vibe that we're going off of. But the first thing that actually came to mind before all of that is that I just remembered that you smelled like wonderful essential oil. It was like, whatever she's wearing, I want it. That was the first thing that came to mind because I remember that being the most memorable. I was like, whatever she's got on, I want it. It was, it was beautiful. And so uh, I remember we had a conversation actually about that. And then the other thing I remember is that you do a really good job of finding joy in a lot of things. And so I heard your laugh. I think like I, that's the, so when I think about the, uh, the time that we were strangers, I think about the essential oils and then I think about the laughter and those two kind of drew me in. I'm like, this seems like my kind of person. I have a hunch. That tells you a lot about me already. I can see that you're a very, what's the word? Sensual person, right? Yes. Oh, factory sense. You have the auditory in there. Man. Yeah. Now I want to know what was that? What was the scent? Did she ever get to tell you? I don't, well, I change it up all the time, but I make my own blends, by the way. I don't know why, but over a few years ago, I got into like natural scents. I, actually, you know what? When I, when I decided to have my hair, um, go, when I went natural, really, mm-hmm. that's when it started. And I remember that my hairstyle is using some sort of combination of oils. And I was like, that smells so good. And it smells clean. And it smells not like this chemical. Mm-hmm. And I thought, but it's really expensive <laughs> to buy whatever it was. I have to like ship it in from Atlanta or New York or something. And I'm like, I wonder if I could make my own. Mm. And that's kind of how it started. And I started buying my own essential oils. And so now I, I decided to not only do the hair thing, but also like some perfume. And so I get, you know, some of the vials I buy myself, others, I just kind of do my own blends, but it's awesome. So thank you for that. Yeah, I appreciate it. And no, I don't make for other people. So don't like email. Don't like <laughs> inbox me saying, can you make me want it by the carton? Nope. <laughs> nope. I'm be selfish. <laughs> <on the recipe. laughs> um, but, 
but thank you so much. I'm so glad the two of you said yes to being on the podcast. And I know we've had to, you know, reschedule a couple of times or some big things happening in your lives. And I just wanted to say thank you for making it work today. And I'm, I'm so grateful that we have a chance to have this really cool conversation. So I want to know more about your culture. So speaking of that, Kia, tell us about, you brought two objects because you have just so much, <laughs> so much to share. Tell us why you chose those two and what do they mean to you? Yeah. So I actually, I'm going to start with the scarf because I had a conversation about this with my mom. Um, so the scarf is actually part of a dress that we wear called Abishak Amis. It's where you wear traditional clothing. Lots of it has really beautiful patterns like this. There's also a lot of um, Ethiopian Orthodox uh, influence. So there's a lot of crosses and um, just a lot of like intricate weaving that goes into the dresses. Um or just any of the garments. It's super beautiful. I love it. Um, I, I chose that because I think there's, so in my current, uh, I guess in my current season of life, one of the things I'm trying to figure out is like how to find my culture um, that is such an amalgamation of things, right? So it's like, how do I, as Kia claim the culture for myself and like say this is what my culture is and how I understand it I think my parents have a version I think the folks who are diaspora probably have a version that's very different from those that live in Ethiopia right so what does that look like for me to claim that especially as a queer Ethiopian woman and like what does that mean I've been thinking a lot about that and um I actually wore this a lot um at times that are super important to me, including my engagement to my partner, which that kind of felt like such an audacious thing. Like we had an engagement photo shoot. Oh yeah. I mean, you're engaged. Okay. Wait, hang on. Wait, wait. I'm just gonna pause you for a second. Cause a couple big things just happened. <laughs> that was like two months ago. I don't think we're going to one is that Kia, you came out on a podcast. You just said that. And I was like, I, rem- I remember you saying that that wasn't something that you would want to talk about. So, okay. And then number two, <laughs> that you're engaged. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, Did you, you mean for that to come out? Cause I'm like, did she mean for it to come out? Oh, we're just comfortable. Like, so <laughs> I, I feel more comfortable with it. Yeah. I actually, uh, I had a conversation with my, also that's part of the seasonality, right? So okay, I okay. had a conversation with my parents and my folks about it. Um, I know this is going to go on Facebook, so I don't know how public it will be, but like <laughs> at this point, I'm like, you know what? We're just gonna say, here we are. And then just, Keep that's it. Oh, um, well, and then, oh, are you okay? It's my life. Did your landfall? Oh, did it break? I don't think so. <laughs> um, I apologize for that loud noise. That's all um, As long as gonna, you're Okay. I am okay. We're all okay. fine. Can you see me okay? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, then we're just going to keep this lighting. We'll just keep so that lighting. Yeah. Um, and then the next thing that I brought is actually uh, from Indonesia. So I know this is going to go on the podcast so you won't see it. So it's just, it's a really beautiful piece. Uh, my partner is Indonesian and white, and it's been such a pleasure to get to know culture that are very different from my own, particularly um one of the things that I say when people say, oh, Africa, you're like, that's a whole continent. Tell me the specific countries. <laughs> I've been having the exact same sentiment around Asia because uh, of me connecting with them. So it's like just looking at the diversity mm-hmm. um, and just 
the multitude that is the continent Asia and like learning more about that has been really beautiful. So I brought both um, as an extension of like my seasonality. Whoa, what a season. (laughs) What a season. It's it's like spring all over again. (laughs) Because it feels, I don't know, this is just the sense I got as you were sharing. There's so many different layers that you've been peeling back or or shedding I don't know what the, the best word is but it sounds like there's been such a process in the last few months wow congratulations thank you thank congratulations. you congratulations thank you so exciting well <laughs> well let me <laughs> um <laughs> first Viola any reactions to to what Kia shared and, and what you heard and then I want to hear about your object um I totally connected with what she was talking about in terms of making her lane in this big uh, beltway with many lanes of culture, right? So um, the agency to interpret her culture, her ancestry in the way that makes sense to her in the context in which she exists, right? And just that um, understanding that, you know, the culture as she's defining it is going to be different from how her parents define it. And it's going to be different from how the people who live in Ethiopia define it. Um, and I was just like, oh, that's, that totally resonates because I think that's putting to words my shared experience. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so that, that just really resonated with me. And I, I'm definitely going to pull that thread even more as I share um, my, my thoughts in a little bit, but so, yeah. Oh, no, I'm excited. Well, go ahead and continue to share your thoughts. This is a great start. All right. So, so I brought what, what we call a shekere and it's, um, it's a, it's like a calabash and, um, you have some twine with, um, beads typically, right? Beads all around it. And it's like a, it's like an instrument. Um, and so it, so you can do different things with it, right? And um, so you, there's different ways to make it pretty. Sometimes you have uh, different color beads all around it, but it's a musical instrument. So the purpose is to really get sound out, right? So depending on the kind of calabash that is used, you're going to get different sounds. Hmm. Um, it's used a lot um at least the way I use it and the way it's used a lot now is for praising, right? It's for praise, right? So you think about the, 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 the churches that don't get to get pianos and guitars and all those fancy instruments. And you think you go back a few generations and where we had to celebrate, uh, these were some of the things that were used. Um, and of course it's practical, it's easy to carry around. Um, and it just makes beautiful music. So my name is Viola, right? Which is a musical instrument. Um, the most unfortunate thing that could have ever happened to me is that my name is Viola and I don't play a musical instrument. <laughs> <laughs> that's the most unfortunate the most unfortunate but I am musical I like saying that I don't play musical instrument but I'm musical so I could hold a tune and I love music I couldn't live without music I just could not right and so I have a few of these at my home um, every time I want to connect in a way to me that feels very 
um, son of the soil, back to my roots. This is the instrument of choice, right? If I wanted to sing a little praise chorus, right, from the Psalms, this is the instrument of choice. Um, you don't need any lessons to learn how to play it. And you could just make it roll with the tune or the melody that you have in your heart. And um, so I love music. I love making music. This is the kind of music I make because that's, that's, that's my level. And this connects me to what my definition of my culture is, right? Um, a culture that's very expressive, uh, a culture that sings both for pain, uh, for joy, uh, for confusion, for disappointment. Um, and I've just found that throughout my existence, there's just been different songs for every season, um, different songs through my night seasons, through my day season. So I thought if mm. I were to bring something to connect who I am as a person with my culture, this was going to be it. So that's why I chose this. Very cool. All right. All right. So we may have to hear you do some some praise song because I, I you know, Zoom is not the best necessarily at carrying a tune. Zoom, now you might carry a tune. Zoom doesn't carry a tune very it's well. So not. Don't make me do it. <laughs> I will make you. I will make you. Might we might have some. We'll we'll cut to a <laughs> we'll cut but, to a, so commercial break, a commercial break. A commercial break. No, no, no. Um, but both of you have said things that I thought really interesting. I think Kia, your your sense of culture. You know, I'm born in Panama, but came to the States at age nine. And it's odd when people ask me where I'm from, because I get asked that on occasion. If they, if they hear, not everybody picks up on anything in my accent per se, because I have a pretty, I think, standard English accent, if you will. My mom calls it California English, because I used to watch a lot of TV <laughs> back in the day. But it's, um, it's, Hard to tell people I'm Panamanian. It actually, just I'll tell you a quick story. It happened on a Facebook post, a Facebook group that I'm in, Panamanian Foodies Group. I joined because I'm like, oh my gosh, they have all these pictures of food that I remember growing up with, and there are things that I recognize, things that I don't. And I asked a question about a recipe for something, and the guy mentioned whatever he thought I should go get, and I was like. I'm not sure what is that, and I couldn't tell if he was making like a joke or if it was an actual item. <laughs> and he's like, you must not be Panamanian. And I was kind of like, hmm, how do I feel about that? And I'm like, well, you know, I came to the States when I was nine and I just went back and forth until my grandparents passed when I was in college. So I don't really feel connected to the culture that way. But I'm American by passport and I think upbringing. But there's, I don't know, it's weird. It's hard to explain that this, you know, this, I feel like a third culture child, as they say. So I don't have a specific claim to one culture or another. And I think the idea of, it, it, it puts me in a really, I, I call it an advantage. It gives me an advantage because I do feel I connect so easily with people from other parts of the world. And I'm not sure, you know, I, I don't necessarily fit into one particular label when it comes to that, but that's, it's been that way since, gosh, I don't know, at least high school, from high school to now, where I've always felt a little bit like, I don't know if I fit into a particular label, not even being Black, not even being a woman, not even being in Texas for 20 years, not even, you know, so it's hard to give people like the thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm from X. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So I thought it was so interesting because, you know, and Key, I thought you mentioned also the, you know, the African diaspora. I've never been to the continent of, of Africa, and I would love to go at some point. Which country? I don't know. Which one will I connect with most? You know, I, so there are things about stuff like that that, that I think through. Um, anyway, but that's what came to mind. And then I think, Viola, you said something about 
uh, you're very musical. Now I have played instruments, not a viola, not a violin, not a guitar, but <laughs> piano and other instruments, clarinet, mm-hmm. but I'm super musical too. Music, I cannot live without it. Mm-hmm. And, and I, so I, I can get from the two of you that there's something in the water, <laughs> right? There's <laughs> something in the blood. <laughs> I can't put my finger on it. I'm mostly curious from the two of you, what's it like living in the States? Well, first of all, tell us what, at what age did you come to the States and what's it been like in navigating your cultural identity? So a big question. <laughs> yeah. Kia, you want to go first? Sure. Um, so I came here when I was eight. Um, and I was pretty young when we got here. Um, my make fun of my parents. We got to Dallas and I've never left. So the plane landed <laughs> and then we stuck. Like that's literally how it happened. Um, and my experience of growing up kind of the way that you described um, Valerie is kind of basically not fitting into any specific category of personhood, right? So like, I think the people that I can most connect with is just anybody that's from another country. <laughs> I also connect with Americans really well who are very open to experiencing culture as well. So I don't want to necessarily say you have to be from another country for me to connect with you. Yeah. Um, I, I think the people that I have, the, I guess the biggest shared connection with happens to be the immigrants because we're just like oh my god you did that too yes like all of us right all of everything from growing up to how our parents acted to how strict our parents are like every Mm. like everything in the gamut right I am convinced that most immigrants literally have the exact same experience (laughs) (laughs) and I love that Uh, I'm sure that's not true but at least from the experiences that I've had it's just been pretty easy to connect Mm -hmm. with those with people um, I think my experience as a child is very different from my experience of kind of getting into adulthood. So I would probably say, uh, my experience of childhood was very much like trying to find, uh, very much trying to understand the language, right. Cause that's part of your experience, um, that kind of comes up, makes up your culture. So you kind of define, how do I make sense of information how do I understand culture how do I understand people um there's a lot of assumptions I realized for myself that I built into my way of understanding things so it's like you don't have to tell me every single thing I can use process of inference because as somebody who had to learn a new language I had to use that a lot to make sense of information that I did not know right mm-hmm. like how does the education work how does America work what is this like like I have to use a lot of inferences to understand all of that um, and then just finding a sense of belonging in my people, that was pretty much childhood. I would say as I got older, um, I think more and more it became about, I think, trying to figure out how to be, I think in high school and college, I struggled with like being Ethiopian enough to be Ethiopian and then being American <laughs> enough to be American. <laughs> so it shifted from I ways totally of understanding. Get that. I get that. Right? If you were like, ooh, I'm not quite Black enough to be Black. I'm also <laughs> not quite Ethiopian enough to be Ethiopian. <laughs> Where do I fit in? I'm kind of struggling with that. Mm. Um, and then I would say after college, it's been more of like, I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> So this is, this is like my season of life right now, which is very much a space of 
I don't really care. I think this is really cool to be in this very ambiguous, very gray. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't defined it space um, mm-hmm. to where I do connect with other diasporas, but I'm also not like every other diaspora and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, I do have that Californian accent. I've also heard that. <laughs> so, right? so I do have that. And it's okay. So I'm in the space of very hippy dippy. Everything is kosher. <laughs> hippy dippy. And then add kosher to it. I know, right? I was just like, she had to throw in a little. <laughs> have some Jewish culture in there. Okay. Yes, now. Yes, now. Viola, what about for you? You know, I was just listening to, I was listening to Kia and I was like, oh my gosh, my HBS uh, speech work right there, right? So. Kia <laughs> standing for heroic public speech. Public speaking. The, the course that, yeah, the company that we took the course in. Yes. Right. And and of course, I don't know that they, they have a paid slot on this podcast, so you can scrub no, that off. I don't, no, <laughs> no, I don't care at all. It was a meaningful experience. Go for it. Totally. But um, uh, one of the things that I, I, that I felt during that course that I wanted to explore, and I think I shared a little bit about, uh, about that with Valerie, is this whole idea of identity, belonging, and becoming. Um, and just, just how those three different things overlap and sometimes are sequential, right? So um, this whole, this, this whole, um, 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 journey sort of where you're trying to figure out who am I, right? Like, so in, 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 in part of the speech that I was working on, one of the experiences that I share, um, that I was trying to develop was this whole idea, like you mentioned of the immigrant mindset, right? So I wanted to go into, uh, I was, I was doing communications, right? And I had a concerned family member kind of pull me to the side and just, ask me like, okay, so what are you going to do when you graduate? Like, what are you going to do? And um, like, what do you mean? Like, there's tons of people that get this degree. And then she was like, no, like in terms of like being able to work and generate revenue so that nobody needs to take care of you, you know, this, this kind of, you know, from a place of concern, right? Um, so the typical, stereotypical um, African parent that doesn't want their child to do I mean, a degree in English, right? Um, <laughs> or at least if you were going into English, kind of make it very clear that you were serious about going into some form of academia or you had writing plan, but they just don't want you to go to school just to go to school. Yeah. And having this conversation at my level um, and in that conversation, just kind of processing, right? Because I pushed back, but just kind of processing like, oh my goodness, you think that I'm not going to be able to be marketable because I have an immigrant background, right? And so in your mind, um, there's some pigeonhole industries where it doesn't matter what you sound like. It doesn't matter if you know people. It doesn't matter whether or not you have a a godfather to kind of move you through. Um, You'll be able to make it, right? You'll be able to to, uh, generate revenue and hopefully take care of other people and all that kind of stuff. And just having to process and pull back the layers that this conversation was not about whether or I was capable. This conversation was born out of the fear that that generation carried about what kind of uh, uh, options were available, right? And it had nothing to do with my ability or whether or not I had any strengths that needed to be fanned, right? Mm. And 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 using that as one of the big, big, big signposts in my life because in my mind, I'm like. 
this has nothing to do with being an immigrant, right? Or having a, a, you know, a big immigrant family or any of those things, hard workers and all of that. This has everything to do with who do I think I am as a person and what are my abilities? And do people around me believe in my potential enough to encourage and affirm it irrespective of mm-hmm. the, 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 the constraints that their mindsets, um, of, I mean, understandably so have put them in right so having for me to to be able to process that um and just thinking about how those things affected how I saw myself and how I saw uh the opportunities that are available to me and it just so happens I have a rebellious streak so of course because (laughs) that came in it was like I'm gonna show you but I'm just thinking about I'm just thinking uh, you know just thinking through identity the things that the, the, the situations that forced the identity that I embraced, yeah. belonging, the reasons around why I felt like I belonged or I didn't, and what I did to hide from those feelings, and then becoming, which is the season I think I've been in for a few years, where it's, um, I, I, I just come to this place of, it doesn't matter where I am, I am a human being on the planet. I have worth and dignity and I deserve to be here because I'm here. Mm. Um, and, and, and just embracing that mindset um, and understanding that that's it. That's the only thing that qualifies me is that I'm here. And because I'm here, I have worth, right. And being able to embrace it in the spaces I find myself. So, mm. so, so having to process all of that um, is something that a lot of immigrant kids have to, right. Mm-hmm. It's something that a lot of, um, uh, people in the diaspora have to, uh, but for me, I've been able to just put in those three big pillars and then just begin to filter through those, um, those pillars, you know, my identity, what shaped it? What are the experiences that shaped it? Uh, belonging, how hard was it to belong in the different little circles, right? And mm-hmm. then who am I becoming because I have processed some of those things. And as, as Kia was talking, I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to get offline and talk to Kia some more because (laughs) this is don't work for me. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Awesome. That's exactly what I was hoping to produce to generate this level of connection. And I, I forgot, it. I'd forgotten about the speech topic. Viola. So I'm so glad you brought it up. So I was like, duh. That was one of the other reasons that I was like, oh, I think this would be a great conversation to have. You kept it um, a secret who I kept you were connecting with, but even, even from myself. <laughs> I, but, ah. Viola, I loved so much of that. I like, there was something that like really stood out to me as you were talking. So one of the things that I've kind of gotten to do is kind of look back at that fear that you're talking about right so like I think most of us experience that and trying to have a I guess looking at it through the lens of grace and compassion of like okay why does that fear exist and how did that actually shape the experiences of my parents and what were the contexts that my parents were a part of that basically informed the wisdom that they were trying to give me because even in those you know those fears that were passed down to us I think they were passed down in terms of wisdom that they were hoping would guide us because it basically guided so much of their decision making and their lived experiences in the U.S. and their experiences I think is very different from the experiences that we have one of the things that I love is that I feel like every generation gets more and more audacious and I love it. (laughs) Like I just, I love it so much uh, because I think there's, 
there's this spaces and contexts cultivate that mm-hmm. for my parents I think the ability to go I don't care might have to reach that place of like I don't care or which I think is your version of like becoming I think to reach that might have not happened specifically for my parents because my parents they got together when they were seven my mom was 17 when she had me so they got together when they were super young had their first kid at you know 17 and then had more kids after that came to the U.S. because they won a lottery ticket and like they were as confused as anything trying to figure out how to work um, also support themselves, also figure out how they were becoming while taking care of like three, four kids um, and also supporting a marriage, right? Like so much of, I think their experience was about survival. And I think when you're in that space of like survival, there's a lot of fear and constraints that actually dictate the way that you can have an experience mm-hmm. and have a lived experience. Uh, the way that my parents live now, I think, is a very different place than when we first got here, for sure. But my starting place as a result of their sacrifice and their hard work was different. And I think because of their sacrifice and their hard work, I was able to get to this place of I don't care or my becoming <laughs> at a much higher, I think, at a much faster rate than they might have been able to go to. Um but I agree with you. I think it's so much part of the experience of the diaspora to have those tensions and to have those um, conversations that may be disappointing and to find our sense of belonging either in the people that we connect with later down in life or just reaching this place of like, I'm going to have to be resolute within myself and just like trust myself and where I'm being guided, even if there isn't a sense of belonging around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and to recognize even getting to that space came because of the sacrifice of people that are the same people that may be disappointing you, which is like such a tension, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I've been lucky. I don't, my parents have been nonconformist. <laughs> They're the, the model nonconformist, especially Ooh, I because I know my dad joined the U S military when he was 34, right? Living in Panama, he worked on the, on the canal zone as a civilian and was able to join because his family, his parents and his younger siblings immigrated to the U.S. much earlier, but he was already, I believe he was already married or on the way to get married. So he's like, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. And it's interesting because first of all, you can't even join the military that late anymore. (laughs) It's not even allowed. He was like the dad. (laughs) 18, 19 year old, you know, men and my dad here in his thirties. And then my mom, um, an educator all her life, but being a military wife, she, although she had her, her certificate to teach in Panama and been teaching for years, when she came to the U.S., all of her educational, all her academic uh, records were invalidated here. You basically have to go back to school and get a particular certificate and get a, a master's. There's all this stuff. And she's like, oh, no. <laughs> we're going to do it my way. <laughs> so she's always been a nonconformist when it came to that. You know, she never worked in the school system like that per se, but you know, now we've been living in the States since 1983. Ooh, a long time. And she, um, she's now working in the schools, <laughs> but she always has in some way, but she's, yeah, she's been a rabble rouser, but working to assist other young people who are immigrants, 
and their parents, especially mm-hmm. those are Spanish speaking, but, but they've always, you know, they're like, my parents are like water, <laughs> you know, sort of, you know, water always finds a way, yeah. always finds a way. And that's what they instilled in me. And I would imagine my three brothers have their own version of that. So yeah. I was never stuck with, I had to do school a certain way. I had to do career a certain way. That was not the conversation we had. Now I had to do school. That was like, <laughs> why are we talking? Like what? Is there even not a conversation? conversation. <laughs> like, no, not a conversation. No. Yeah. You uh, got to. to your yeah. point, I think education was like number one. And then yeah. the other idea of being able to choose what I did for a career, maybe it's just me. My brothers would not say this, but maybe <laughs> it was just, they just had enough faith in me that they didn't have to have that conversation. Like, now they'll figure it out. She'll do this. Because anything I've done, they've been super supportive. There's never been a question that whatever I would do, I would do well in or I would find satisfaction. And they're always about be happy and do good work. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. if I had to boil it down, it, it came at much longer sentences and <laughs> lengthy conversations, but you know, be happy and do good work. That that was essentially the message. So now I'm curious from the two of you, you have siblings, both Anokia, you do, Lila, you have siblings. Yes. So what's, what's the relationship like with your siblings and how are they, where are they on the spectrum that we were talking about in that identity, belonging and becoming? Yeah. You know, like my understanding uh, about life. So I'm just going to preface with this disclaimer, right? That we all own our narratives, right? And the reality is whether or not we admit it, that's the truth. So you could have four people have the same parents live under the same roof, go through the same experience and they process and or refuse to process and then create a narrative from those experiences, right? Mm -hmm. And parents and whoever else is the bystander or your siblings, you have no power over anybody's narrative, right? Mm -hmm. That's just how, that's my philosophy. So, so I can only talk for myself, right? (laughs) And I will talk for myself. (laughs) That's smart. Cause I don't want to get any comments from your siblings. I mean, I'm happy to say what I think about their, 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 their perceptions, but but even in like working through my speech, I know that I had some conversations with some of my siblings and it's just interesting how things are processed differently. And we're all in different journeys and we all come to different levels of self-awareness or hopefully all come to different levels of self-awareness at some point. And I think those are, those are the tools that make up the narratives that we embrace. And oftentimes, unfortunately, Many of us go around wearing clothes that are too small, right? So, so that worked for then. It doesn't work for now with the new information you got, but you're still holding on to it. Um, and, and so because that's kind of how I see the world, I will only, um, I will only have liberty, right? To, to talk about my narrative, right? How I process and, um, and what that has, how my processing has brought me to where I am. And I'm still, I'm still processing, right? As I, as I re replay and reprocess circumstances. Um, and of course, through the lens of a person that's more self-aware, a person as an adult, you know, they always say you become so much more kinder in your mind to your mother once you become a mother, right? Because then there's a different set of things at play, right? You have to sacrifice for this being or these children. And then you have a marriage if there's one, and then you have all these things. And so all of a sudden, some of the stories you were walking around with as your narrative 
don't fit because now mm-hmm. you're, you know, so, so, I mean, I think that there's, there's that dynamic. Um, but now that the disclaimer is out and I have a background in litigation, just so everybody's clear about why my, my disclaimer is seven pages. Rewind <laughs> to finish 42. <laughs> with some fine print. I said this. All of that to say, my, I will only address my narrative and my opinions. Thank you very much. I love it. I love it. You know what? Cheers to you. <laughs> I know who I'm calling. If I'm uh, there you go. And Kia, you don't have to answer the question either. So. <laughs> we are having a ball. Okay. <laughs> oh, I need to take a sip too. <laughs> it's like, woo. <laughs> Kia, what, what's your version? <laughs> Anything about your siblings that you feel open to share or how or where they might be in the journey or where you are in your journey with them? Mm. It, um, so man, I love that disclaimer. That was so beautiful because sometimes you, you know, when you've been having conversations with people and you're like, wait, did we do, did, were we in the same, did we have the same, <laughs> it's just, I'm not even going to finish that sentence because that's how I feel. I was just so confused and discombobulated about how they processed versus how I processed. Um, and I, and I think there's certain, definitely certain things that, um, have gone on like that for my siblings and I, so I have, I gotta count now. Um, I have four siblings. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I do. Uh, so I have uh, one that's um, twenty. So very close to me, um, and then I have one that's like twenty six younger than me because he's two. Uh, so my parents like run the gamut. Yes, I love them so much. They like they did not want to not have kids. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's a double negative that cancels. Itself. They did not not want. Got it. I understood. Uh, so, um, so what happened was, um, I think like as a, well, to answer your question, I think there's definitely certain things that we connect on in terms of like, oh, there's this journey that we, uh, he is really cute. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there's certain things about our journeys that I feel like we have a lot of similarities in, particularly going to school, what that experience was like. Um, I think there's, um, some of the negative things of like bullying definitely resonate of like, yeah, we definitely experienced that. Also some of the things of like, um, just humor also definitely translates in that as well. Um, certain things we don't necessarily um, see eye to eye in, but I think we've gotten to this place where we both, we, we all respect each other for how we process information and don't necessarily feel the need to persuade. Cause I think that's, that's super interesting where we were a couple of years ago is I think we would try to debate our experiences and then try to come to a consensus where I, I think it kind of dawned on us after a while that like, we don't necessarily have to agree on the experience that we both had. Like mm-hmm. we can say, this is my experience. This is what I learned from it. This is how it's still shaping my life. And it could be a completely different narrative than what mine is. And it's okay. Like we don't need to debate it and we can just accept it for what it is. So we've definitely come to that. Um, what's been the biggest the biggest, um, well, let me take that back. I think what's been most interesting about that is, um, I left the faith background that, um, I grew up in and my, my siblings are still in that. And to have reached that space when we come from very different, um, religious, probably like sometimes political, um, 
so religious political like lots of different other things there's like a divide but like for us to be able to respect each other and just to have a really good relationship which is where we're at now has been amazing um and I don't want to cry but like that's how I feel whenever I describe it because it's just so surreal that we could have even gotten to this point I couldn't have imagined it a couple years ago that's got to be tough, especially, well, it sounds like you have a, a pretty broad span in the age of your siblings, but I, I can imagine, I'm in, in similar experience, I have three brothers, all of us have a different narrative, right, to your point, all came, coming from a different perspective, different personality, different needs at different times in life. Um, but now I think all of us, I would say, are in the becoming bucket, I would say, because we have these conversations, maybe like once a month. We'll get on Zoom and we'll have, and we'll talk about our childhood. We'll talk about, you know, we'll watch a YouTube video and laugh. You know, we, so we have, like you mentioned, Kia, the laughter, I think is something that we share. Um, re- religious approaches it are somewhat varied. <laughs> there's a, there's a divide between like the older and the younger. <laughs> I'm in the older bucket, yeah. <laughs> just, you know, a little different, but I, I, if nothing else, I think it's an opportunity to share experiences, learn about each other. I think we're at that point in life now. We're not out to convince anybody of feeling or experiencing something that we didn't. It's just like, really, was that like that for you? Um, Mm. And, you know, it's funny because even as we're talking about culture, my younger brothers were four years old. They're twins. They were four years old when we immigrated to the U.S. And they don't speak Spanish they don't remember speaking Spanish, although we have recordings of them speaking Spanish. So they're like, what did I just say? (laughs) But their education has been in English completely. And so, um, so, but culturally we still, we get each other, I think, because all of, although there's a different age range and our experience were a little bit, maybe more shocking coming here, already having had some education in Panama, my older brother and I, the idea of us still trying to figure out, well, where do we belong? How do we belong? It's been the four of us. We're like very united. Maybe the military thing had a lot to do with it too, moving around. And it was like, we're our playmates. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're the play dates. Yeah, I'm the only girl, <laughs> um, but they're amazing. I have awesome brothers, awesome, awesome brothers. Um, maybe now that I'm thinking about it, maybe I'll do a podcast episode with all three of my brothers. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know if they'll all be down for it. Two of them have already done it. The third one is a little bit harder nut to crack um I want to shift gears a little bit because we started having a conversation right before we went live that I'd like to bring back up and Kia specifically around your the passing of your grandmother Mm. because you shared some things that I was just like that would be kind of a cool thing to talk about so I know you already told Viola and I but for the for those in the back who weren't here um and don't you know would like to, to whatever you'd like to share. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about what the experience was. You lost your grandmother uh, a few months ago. So what would you like to say about her? Yeah, I'll tell you. uh, Well, I'll tell everybody um, the exact (laughs) same thing that I told Viola and Valerie here. So my grandma um, had cancer. We actually kind of found out very unexpectedly. Um, And so from diagnosis to her passing away was about two months. So talk about a whirlwind of like hospital visits and all of those things that were going on. Um, So it was just such a strange thing to like see her walking into the hospital um, and then get that diagnosis. And within the matter of like 
couple of days to like be in bed and like not really have the strength and like it just it happened so fast truly um so as that world was just kind of going I think there was a lot of um I'm going to kind of pull in the faith aspect here, right? I think like there was a lot of faith, I think from multiple sides, even me, there's a different religion affiliation. I think there was a lot of faith of like, okay, she's going to come through this and she's going to come through this. And I think um, in the end, it really was more about not necessarily our faith and even just our belief in um, a higher being and what that higher being can do, but more about what does she need? And like, what does she want to do? And what is the conversation that she's having with her higher being? And can we respect that? Um, And I think we got to that, all of us at different points for sure, but we all got to that. Um, And towards the end, before she was starting to do chemo, I think it was the conversation that she was having with her higher being was more like, yeah, I'm ready to go. Like, I don't want to do this chemo thing. Like, it's not for me. So I'm ready to go. Um, and man, sure enough, like there was, a, there was an honoring of her request, which I'm super grateful for. Um, but she it definitely felt like that agreement was more like, yo, if I'm going to go, I'm going to do it on my own terms. So you got to let that happen. So on the last day, not only did she, was she going through cancer, she ended up having a heart attack and she was just like getting heated and like couldn't breathe. And so we finally got the emergency room, took her to the ER and the doctor sits down with us. And we have that conversation that we know is kind of heading towards like, she's not going to make it. So we call the rest of the family members. We have family members that are coming. We're in Rowlett um, and it's in like an about an hour drive from Dallas to Rowlett. So we have family members that are driving from an hour to get there. Um, and even further than that. So we like call as many people as we could said, Hey, get here. She's, this is, she's about on her last breath. She's about to go. Um, and the only one that was the furthest away was my sister. So we like FaceTime her. So she has the chance to say goodbye, but most everybody basically ended up getting there. Um, we all gathered together, have a prayer. And at this point, like I said, she's having a heart attack, meaning her heart rate is going from like zero to 142 to 160. Like it's just going all over the place. I've never seen a heart dance like that. It's just, it was <laughs> everywhere. Um, and she prays with us is there through the entire thing. And as soon as we say, amen, homegirl said, goodbye, I'm leaving now. <laughs> and like leaves. <laughs> and I, I remember a bunch of us in the hospital room crying after that. And I also remember crying, but I just, in the back of my head, I was also like, she's such a thug. Like she is such a thug. She she literally said, I'm going to go on my own accord on my own time. And then she did it. So I was like, okay, there you go. What did you call her? What was, what was, what did you call her? Her grandmother? by like her, oh name. My, her name oh her yes yes she yes but what did yeah. you call her like we call our our my mother's side abuela and abuelo that's it although this that's the name for grandparent grandma. we just call that's, them that what did you call that's you? it <laughs> we call her grandma yeah, grandma, yeah <laughs> that's why i kept saying grandma i was like grandma like, hi grandma that's okay that's what we call her yeah <laughs> grandma went out like a g uh just on her own timing <laughs> made a request known and had a request honored and got to say goodbye in the best way and it was good oh uh, beautiful viola do you still have your grandparents with you um you my dad's parents were gone before i got here okay. 
Um, my mother's parents weren't, but my grandpa's dad. My grandmother is going to be 90 on January 2nd. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, I, we call her Grandma Line. Uh, Grandma Line. Gra- yeah. <laughs> is she in the U.S. or is she in Nigeria? No, she's, no, she's in Cameroon. 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 Yeah. Okay, got it. Man. You know, when Kia told her story, I know we both had a reaction. I'm like, oh, I should have saved it for the podcast because that would have been really cool. I didn't know where I was going to go, though. So I was like, I just want to make sure we're good. (laughs) Um, But I I remember your reaction, Viola, to that and kind of a reflection on life. I don't know if you remember what you said. Um, I think, well, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I remember the sentiment, which was that she had the strength of spirit, right, to number one, say I didn't, I don't want this chemo. And then number two, um, to kind of hang around till everybody got the chance to say goodbye. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was just saying that, you know, uh, your time to go is your time to go. And we're going to go different ways. Um, Some more seemingly peaceful than others. Some entailing a lot more suffering seemingly than others. Um, but we're all going to have to get out some way, the same way we come in some way, right? Some people just come in painless. I, I was reading a story of a woman just last night and she, she's had four, um, labor, painless labor deliveries for, and I was just like, oh my like naturally painless, naturally painless. Okay. <laughs> it's to be studied. Right. Uh-huh. Um, um, so, so I was just like, oh my goodness, there's just such a, there's just so many different ways we could come in, right? Um, you know, you come in, you don't know what happens when you come in as your mother and everybody around that knows. Some people pass away when they're bringing another being into the world. Some people have to have a C-section. Some people are completely knocked out. Some people are preemie. So there's different ways we can come in. And then again, there's different ways we go out, right? Uh, prolonged sickness or just the sickness with the wink to say, I'm going to be out of here soon, you know? All these different ways. But I was just struck um, that um, at least the way Kia shared it, I don't know how her siblings would share it. It just sounded to me that finality of like, she said, amen. And then she was gone. And I was just like, you know, amen is so be it. It is so. Um, and so she said, it is so, um, so mm-hmm. be it, and I'm out. Right. And I just thought, oh, what strength of spirit. Um, and that yeah. just was, it was a beautiful bowl, um, to her own life story. I think I, you know, I, I, yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. I think about death often, but not like the morbid sense, but you know, the, the sentiment that you expressed that, you know, we all leave in different timing with a different, in a different way. Um, but one thing, I don't know who I told this, I can't remember the context of the conversation. It wasn't necessarily about death, but it was something like I shared, you know, even if I were to die tomorrow, which I don't want to, like, mm-hmm. let's just be clear. It's on the calendar. None of the do list. You don't need to listen to this podcast for some clues. No. Okay. No, no, there's nothing. There's nothing. <laughs> nothing I'm planning. I don't know if somebody else is planning it, but I'm not. Right. Exactly. Just so everybody's clear. <laughs> just so we're clear. Um, but one thing I was so comfortable in being able to say, but if I did die tomorrow, man, I've lived a good life. Oh, man. Yeah. Good life. I feel complete in so many ways and there's still more, right? The, the thing about you mentioned earlier becoming is that it, there's no finality to it. Becoming is, is, is just being constant. Yeah. It's a constant way of being. And so I'm so excited about 
death in a way. <laughs> I know it sounds weird, but I'm excited no. about death in a way because it's like, man, a celebration of who I've become. That'll yeah. be the moment where I'm like, oh, I've become, and I wonder who that person will be. And at mm-hmm. what point in time that will be determined. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, if it were to happen now, I think that's one of the reasons, like I said, my parents are like, be happy and do good work. And that's it. So being able to live that way has helped me just kind of always be fulfilled and satisfied. That doesn't mean that I've always been that way about stuff. There are things like, oh, I didn't, why didn't I get this? And why didn't he call me back? And how come, you know, I, I've been through all of those things. But now in my mature age, my premenopausal years, <laughs> I'm like, that's pretty good. We don't always have to reduce it to those hormones. Thank you very much. <laughs> no. No. I'm, I'm becoming. <laughs> Good, good, good diet. Oh man, I love that so much. I this is the thing that like I thought about once Grandma passed away is like we thought so much about the story of how she lived her life, and actually that was the thing that made me cry the hardest. Was I was like, damn it, I didn't ask her to tell me. Like, what is it about like this? I think end of life that makes you reflect on like how somebody lived their life, but then you're not. I guess there was that I think that missing piece of like constantly being able to do that within the day-to-day while they're still here which I think is the thing that's missing the thing about becoming is so much of it is I think lies in reflections Mm -hmm. um and there's this quote um that said like you can't really tell the future by looking forwards you like you can't really understand the future by looking forwards or I think you can't write a story looking forwards you have to write it looking backwards that's when you can connect the dots that's what it is it's you can't connect the dots looking forward you have to connect it when you're backwards Mm. um and I think so much of that is like how do you live in the present I think finding that tricky balance of like living present presently and then also being able to reflect back look at your journey look at your story and be like I'm also going to tell myself these stories and these narratives because that's also part of who I am and then living in that fullness of like narrative plus present leading to this fullness of like, I'm okay. Like I'm good. Um, if anything happens, I'm good. It also helps you stop living in fear. I think like these constant boundaries, like if you had to reduce it, um, it, it's about death. It's about, you know, the fear of not existing anymore. And so many cultures, I think do a really good job of focusing on death and like even bringing it up in conversations without it being dismal because Mm -hmm. it's brings that, um, to the forefront of like, okay, I'm most afraid of death, but like, what if I just made it a little less fearful? Mm. Now I can not live by it and not be so constrained by it. So I think it makes a lot of sense that um, I think the fact that you think about it and you're just like, I'm good. uh, Because I think when you're thinking about it, you can do a lot of things like tell the narrative to yourself Um, also like not be afraid of fear and even prioritize, right? Like what is most important? If I was to go tomorrow, what do I want to be known for? (laughs) Like, do I want to be known for finishing a deadline in this way? Or do we want to be known for like fully loving and belonging in this with these group of people? Yeah, I'm going to choose choice B, right? Like, I think it it, it helps. Yeah. Mm. Love that. If, If so, if it happens after this podcast, I hope somebody publishes it. My final <laughs> request, publish it. Let them know what I thought. 
How would we know where to find the file? <laughs> right. Is it I'll labeled correctly? Well, it's You're making me think about some things. I'm like, I probably need to leave some instructions for someone. Viola, the litigator, has joined us now. Welcome. Welcome into the room. We need a few passwords. Okay. We need a few testaments. Written a will. Let's talk about that. That's right. The girlfriend, that might mean you need to call a few people and defer that plan. Okay. That's true. That's true. Okay. Not yet. Not yet. We need a couple months. It's so interesting, right? Because, I mean, coming from it from a totally different point of view, right? The, the, I don't want to call them legal, like there's so many people die in test state, right? Like, so with zero um, written requests about what they want to do with what is theirs, even if it's just a pillow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even if it's just a wish, um, for which they might have no power or control. Like, I want you to go to Spelman, right? Like some, I mean, I'm just saying like, but, 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 and when you engage people on the legal side, like, Hey, do you have a will? I mean, you're 50. Do you have a will? The answer often is no. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I'm a person of faith. I am a very, very, um, I always say that I found God late in life. And so I didn't grow up Christian. And so my faith means everything to me. So even in communities of faith with people who profess to look forward, right? They're not trying to die, but they say that they're looking forward to the afterlife, right? Even in those communities, what I find that is interesting to me is that on a natural level, right? So there, 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 there's not as much quote unquote preparation uh, to, to not be here. Mm. And, <laughs> and so, and yeah. so anytime I get a chance and I hear people one, maybe embrace the fact that they're not going to be here. It, it doesn't even matter what you think. You're not going to be here for, forever, right? It doesn't matter what you think. And in a hundred years, it's very, very probable nobody will remember who you are, right? Because even the people that are here to celebrate your passing would not probably wouldn't be there in a hundred years, right? So, so that's just the reality of life. But, but so even with people that are comfortable talking about it, what I find, and this is not scientific research, this is just violist observation, is that those people don't take the extra step of arranging their affairs in such a way that might be beneficial to the people that they love, um, um, tax-wise, um, um, asset-wise, you know. Um, most people don't have their quote-unquote affairs in order, Right. Um, and, and I think that that's a level of preparation that we need to really, really encourage, especially in our communities. Right. So so you see this in the black community at large. And I and I and, and, and the numbers are even bigger in the African immigrant communities. Right. So I, I can't speak about any other communities because I have no research, but I know in my church is 43 nations represented. I can tell you that if you strike a conversation about, do you have a will? The answer is no. Mm, yeah. Right. So just, just, just an encouragement to people listening to this podcast, to all of us here who are comfortable talking about death, who have witnessed people transition just mm -hmm. to say, Hey, what are you doing? Right. In your process of becoming 
to put your house in order uh, for somebody else who's not in your head, doesn't know what, nothing about where you're stashing your cash. If you have any cash, doesn't know anything about your liabilities and your debts. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to a few people uh, because there's things that you can do that will make it easy for them and, or will set them up for success that you could never have. Right. So I just thought I'll throw that in just as a PSA. And I you were calling me out. Think- That's what I think that was. <laughs> I think all of us. You're so comfortable, Valerie. Do you have? (laughs) I'm like, okay, game on. Girl, I I did not call you out. No, I know. I'm teasing. (laughs) But no, I do have. I do have a will. But you're right. I haven't updated it probably in the last four years, three years or so. So since I've actually, since I started my own business. And so this would be, this behooves me to go back and and make sure that this podcast gets released. (laughs) So in case something, you know, the, the important thing. (laughs) And you know what I think is so interesting? This actually kind of does a loop, um, I think, and ties everything together, right? In this process that you're talking about, identity, belonging, becoming, I think the idea of like what happens after is also part of that narrative because it's like what happens when I stop becoming, right? Like as Mm -hmm. you talk about, Valerie, like this infinite loop of becoming, right? Um, And I think What's super interesting to stop and think about what happens after I stop becoming actually makes your becoming like changes a few things in your becoming, right? Like it makes Mm. you think about what can I do in this moment? Like, what do I need to do? Like, what are some of the things that I need to change? And I think that's what's super interesting about even thinking about death is that it ironically, it does something to make you more present. Mm. Um, I felt the most present after I had my grandma died because it was like those moments I had to think about even more those narratives and stories that she was unable to tell me I had to be much more intentional about the people that were in front of me to ask those right Mm -hmm. um I think even that exercise from I think a legality perspective yes needs to be done from um I think a diaspora perspective I think that going back and finding narratives not just of like things that we want to tell about ourselves but narratives of our parents and narratives about our loved ones that we don't have I think going back and getting that like what happens after I stop becoming what happens after the people that I love stop becoming what are the things that I know what are the things that I'm missing what are the things that I want to get right now Mm -hmm. like I I think that goes full circle into like what narrative is about narrative is like beginning middle end Um, and the cool thing about it is like preparing Mm -hmm makes the end a little cumbersome, (laughs) maybe a little (laughs) less sad, maybe less missing chapters too. um, If you're trying to get a story about somebody um, or, and then makes your thought known from a legal perspective, like, this is what I want. These are the things that I want to have happen. Yeah. yeah. And and as you were talking, I I was thinking about legacy, right? So not in the sense of the very uh, defined, um, you know, processes, right? So, you know, having a hospital wing named after you or, you know, like not that, not in that sense, right? Mm-hmm. But even understanding that there is a bookend, right? Just forces the structure, you know, you, 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 you go project all those years forward and then you could backtrack to where you are now. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and sometimes for a grandmother, that might be as simple as, 
I want to make sure to tell all my grandmother, all my granddaughters, X, Y, and Z, right? That mm-hmm. they can be, right? That they're strong, that they come from this stock of people, right? Mm-hmm. That they're giant slayers, right? That they have it within them. I want to plant that seed for whenever. Um, I'm not going to be here, but it's going to bloom, right? Mm-hmm. So something as simple as that, which has nothing to do with leaving a will, right? Um, but it's also very deliberate about how we get poured out as people, uh, knowing that we're really, we're really here. Every generation is here as foundation for the next. Kind of like what Kia said early on, which is that, you know, each generation gets more fierce in audacity, right? But just understanding that the way, the way we get to maximize our lives is understanding that there is lives that are going to come after ours, right? And the most valuable lives are the lives that are going to be contributing the most to the lives that are going to come after, right? So it could be a mother in a family situation, but just very, very deliberate and conscious that these four children, um, I might never be known, but I'm going to give everything into these four children, right? It might be whatever the situation may be. But I think that the more we think about the fact that there is going to be a time when we're no longer here, mm-hmm. um, the more we think about the fact that there is going to be life after us right. and how do we want to impact the life after us? I think the more potent, um, the more the more meaningful our lives get to be um, the thicker, the, the thicker, the oil that our lives get to be as poured out for the next generation. And I, I mean, I just think I'm taking that with me, that that's, that's a different way to, to think about, um, legacy. What I I got from what you said, two words came to mind, the legacy of spirit, right? So it's not just a legacy of the, the tangible things that one leaves behind the objects or, right. The, the stories is the, the, the emotion is the memory, like all of that is a legacy of spirit. And, and that's, that's what really carries on beyond generations. You know, somebody's going to change the wing of that hospital as soon as the dollars come in, right? That's not going to last necessarily as long, but um, oh my goodness, look, we could talk obviously all day, but as we're wrapping up our conversation, I mean, like tying all this stuff together. um, I'm first of all, just Again, so thankful that two of you said yes to to having a, a random conversation among strangers. What are you What are you taking away from this conversation today? What, yeah, what stood out to you? What have you learned? What, what, what's the legacy of spirit that you're leaving with? I only want to go. Sure. Um, taking away two things. Number one thing that I'm taking away is that when curiosity is sparked there is just so much more that is ignited. Mm. So one thing I'm taking away, find opportunities to spark curiosity, right? Because there's an ignition that is going to come after that is sparked, right? Mm. So, so, so I'm taking that away, right? And I'm going to take it into my circles. Like maybe this is going to be a season of being a little more curious about what each of us carry within us. That's one. Mm. Then two, on a personal note, I think I'm taking away the reminder that I need to do some carved out time to processing my thoughts on some of these issues a little more, right. To developing them um, a little more Um, because as I listen to Valerie, as I listen to Kia, it's, I'm just, I'm just um, reminded um, that there is, 
so much conversation that could be had um, around these ideas, right? Um, and, and conversation is sweetest, right? When you've taken time to think about what it is that you're bringing to the table. And I just want to, I just want to say that this conversation, I'm taking away with me the reminder that I, that I need to sit down on some of these ideas, right? I need to, to process some of these ideas even more. Um, so thank you so much for this. Dare I say noodle on them? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What about for you? What legacy of spirit are you taking with you? I think, I think the spirit of connection, um, I think there's so much of this time that was born out of intentionality of like, let's bring two people together that might have a thread of connection and you find a similarity and you connected. Um, I love that. I feel like it kind of heightens a little bit of some of the stuff that I've been thinking about that I want to even dive deeper into, right? A lot of the, I think the world around us feels, the world around me feels so loud with so much of the differences um, that exist between us that feel like a chasm that we just can't bridge. Um, And those those don't, that's, I think that's the narrative that has been, um, such a tension point for me. It's like, we always have to bridge those. Like, do we always have to connect those? Like, do they have to exist? And I think in this answer, the, in this conversation, I got that the answer is no, like we can all have different perspectives. We can have different things, but a connection doesn't have to necessarily be, we found a similarity that we can connect on. A connection just can be a conversation. A connection can just be literally us finding humor and joy and any other thing that like we have our experience of, and then bringing that into the same room. So there's so a lot of magic and the intention of togetherness that in itself breeds connection without it having to be forced through bridges, right? Like I, mm. I, I'm not a bridge builder. I don't have to be, I can just bring intentionality because at least I know how to do that. So that was really <laughs> lovely. And that's what this whole thing has felt is super lovely. <laughs> that's really, I love that. And you know, two of the intentions that I had was really inspiring curiosity and building connection. And I think the two of you spoke to that so beautifully. And for me, I think, you know, what, what I also got here is that connection comes from authenticity. Yeah. It's not like commonality, right? And I think sometimes mm-hmm. we conflate the two or like, oh, if we have something in common, then we're connected. No, I've actually had some really meaningful connections with people that I have nothing in common with. But because our sharing was so authentic yeah. to ourselves that it did you know, spark curiosity and did help us go deeper and deeper and deeper in the conversation. Um, so that's, yeah, that's, that's what I'm getting out of this conversation now, just reflecting on from the two of you reflecting on this, any, any final words to each other, to me, to any of of the audience about this experience? Yeah. Um, Violet, I can tell from just, um, just our short conversation, you're okay. So I, I wanted like give you affirmation in a way that does is not far reaching because it's like, I've just met you. I think one thing that I've seen in the way I saw in the way that you grouped identity, uh, belonging, um, and becoming, um, I saw a little bit of the way that your mind work of like this one, um, taking the time to like process information and really sit with that information and come up with a way, 
to disseminate information in a way that is clear, intelligible to another person and like very, very sticky. Um, so you said it once and I remember it through the entire conversation. I think that's a talent. So I just, that's so beautiful. And I just want to affirm that. So <laughs> that's it. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. That is just so affirming. When you were like, I want to affirm you, I was like, oh. because you talked a little bit about it of like going into the communication field I think like that makes a lot of sense to me just in the short conversation that we had of the way that you were able to communicate information and yeah connect those dots thank you so much ah thank you thank you it was so nice meeting you I I wondered so much like why is Valerie keeping it a secret like I was like, I might just go in there and disappoint her. Like, seriously, what's going on? But um, really, you thought that? <laughs> absolutely. I'm like, I'm total advanced read type of person. So it was just mm. like, no bios. What's going on? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so I, I, like, this is it's fun that it's uh, you know, it's virtual. But I could just totally see how this would be so nice over some injetta. You know, this would be so nice. You know. <laughs> Uh, this would be so nice over some food. Um, this was awesome. And then I was saying to myself, I was like, really, Dallas? No Texas accent? No, it's interesting. Oh, no, it comes out. It definitely comes out. I, I don't, did y'all not hear y'all in here? Oh, no, it's definitely there. It, it comes out. <laughs> Viola, you're, you're in Virginia. No, where are you? I'm in Virginia. Virginia. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. But totally, like, I, I didn't hear any, both of you. Like, so I was like, yeah, I was very intrigued, but I was so happy to meet you. And I was like, mm, I want to know more of your story, but I got your number. So like, <laughs> I'm not going to be asking permission. I'm just going to be like, hey. there's no, there's no need for that. That was We're connected. We're my not attention was just like, my best, best friend in law school, she was in med school um she's Ethiopian well she was born here but her parents are Ethiopian and you know how it goes she's very Ethiopian uh married to an Ethiopian man Ethiopian raising kids whatever and we're the bestest of buddies Uh, we were in Seattle together just spent a day together in July so um the Ethiopian culture is interesting to me it's different different from West African or Central African culture and um I wouldn't have known that you had ET heritage from your names at all um (laughs) yeah yeah. Yeah. So. That yeah. The oh, really? necessarily yeah. Ring that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But so nice to meet you and happy to have you in my corner. I, I reach out to you offline. Valerie, this was awesome. This was, this, this is masterful. This is masterful. You have a good thing going. Um, hey. When, when she told me she was going to have me on the podcast, I was trying to suggest names to her for other people. And she was like, no, <laughs> I'm not taking recommendations. <laughs> She's like, I will do the connecting. I will set up the vibe that I want. It is my podcast. Thank you very much for your help. And this is what I aspire towards. Honestly, you spoke it. It's what I aspire. Also, the commitment. Like, anytime Valerie tells you that she's going to do something, you best believe she's going to get it done. And then she's on episode 31 when she invites you. Like, (laughs) she's like, you're 31, actually. You're like, cool. (laughs) We just (laughs) talked about this the other day, but great. I'm so glad because we, 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 this is the third try, right? Yeah, we we scheduled a couple of times. Yeah. But, you know, I was committed to 
and I'm, I wasn't attached. That's the thing. I'm not attached to it going a certain way, but we meet strangers all the time. And that's, I mean, think about how you met your best friend. That person was, was a stranger. stranger. Yeah. Yeah. I met her. She was crying and walking up the street and talking to herself. And I said, yeah. I said, are you okay? Mm-hmm. And she was crying. I said, no, you're not okay. I'm going to walk with you. And we started walking. I was like, is it a boy? <laughs> <laughs> no like don't let nobody do this to you what's going on i walked her straight into my apartment made some tea some mint tea and we had a conversation for two hours and i was just like yep you're gonna tell me everything and i'm gonna tell you every reason why Mm. it's gonna be okay and that's how we became friends so authentic connection that's I mean how are we not most authentic authentic when we're in tears girl Mm. really that's that's (laughs) ugly crying too over some boy Mm -mm -mm. (laughs) (laughs) do not listen to this Amy do not Well, before she gets upset, because you're sharing. Oh, she's married to somebody else and she has beautiful kids and that's whatever. Before we we step into too much of others' territory, I I just want to, first of all, say thank you to both of you for saying yes, for, like I said, being so adaptable and flexible and trying to find a time that worked for both of you in spite of all the life events that were happening and for just being so wonderful and generous in this conversation, generous with each other, generous with me, with everyone that's been listening. It's been fun. And the time has just been flown by. And as random as some of our conversations, I had no idea. I like, I knew there was one little topic we'd talk about and then we'll see what happens. And I know we ended up talking about death and legacy, <laughs> you know, identity, belonging, becoming, and there's so many things that came out of this conversation, but that was because you guys came to play. Yeah. And, and I think that's the, that's the thing that I take away is just how fun it is to be present with a group of people who care, period. That's all it was. I mean, it's not all it was, but it's what carried it through. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you again. I want to thank all the listeners who've been tuning into this episode of Not Quite Strangers. You all know if you want to get this notification every time we release a new episode you want to go to notquitestrangers.com and subscribe you'll get an email every time we have a new one as well as going to the youtube channel because you subscribe there and you get notified other than that it's been such a treat to have these amazing women kia and viola here african queens dare i say I know it's so cliche, but <laughs> um, so much fun. And again, I wish you, the two of you, and everyone who's tuned in, a wonderful rest of the day. Thanks for thanks for everything, everyone. Bye. You've been listening to the podcast, Not Quite Strangers. Be sure to subscribe or follow on your favorite video or podcast platform. And for more information and content, go to notquitestrangers.com. See you next time.